Well, good evening. Good to see everybody that's here tonight. Glad to have you there with us on Facebook, on YouTube, on Twitter. Uh, be sure to subscribe on YouTube, retweet us on Twitter, follow us there on Facebook. That way you'll get those notifications uh, every time we go live. Click the notification bell there on YouTube, and that way you'll be sure to get that. And then also welcome to our phone live streaming uh, individuals who are listening there. We appreciate you uh, joining with us uh, there also. If you have access to our church website, I encourage you to go to highlandbaptistchurch.com. It's under the info tab. There. There that you can download the worship bulletin so be sure uh, to do that if you need those in person uh, they're around in the windowsills at the tables as you came in uh, the children's worship bulletins are under that info tab for each week i encourage you to take that share it it's just a great resource that you can use uh, to reach out to kids and their families uh, to encourage them to to spend time doing these as it goes over that scripture sometimes they have some other activities uh, that are uh, connected to a, a website link that is on on the front of those bulletins. This one doesn't have one of those, but uh, sometimes they do. So I encourage you to take the time to do that. And then also under the info tab is the prayer list. You'll want to get that downloaded for tonight. Make sure you've got it there. If you need to give us a comment of an update, praise report, or in addition to the prayer list, uh, that you can do on Facebook. That way we can follow you live there uh, and give those updates. You can comment on any of the other platforms. Uh, but that's what we'll be looking at for the live. You can also call the church office uh, and you can give us any of those prayer requests if you need to, uh, and we'll be glad to get those uh, on there. And we'll be going over those in a little while, so you wanna be sure to get a copy of that. If you need it in person, they're on the front pews here, so be sure to get you one uh, while we're singing there. Also on our church website, if you'll go to the far left-hand side, far, far right-hand side, of the screen, my left-hand side. Uh, if you would go there and uh, click the Give Online tab there, it's an easy platform uh, for you to set up your online giving. You can do it and it's a recurring gift. There's several designations uh, that you can do there to designate your giving to. Uh, you can give your regular offering, you can give the Annie Armstrong Easter offering, uh, as well as several other things. So I encourage you to take the time to do that. In person, we do have offering envelopes in the pews uh, and you can put those in the offering plate. And then just as a reminder, vacation Bible schools coming up so uh, as for us on Wednesday nights just continue to keep it uh, in your prayers uh, praying for the workers praying for everybody who's getting ready for it praying for the kids and their families uh, as they're getting ready also uh, that as they come and hear God's Word uh, they'll be touched by God's Word and we'll have kids who will come to faith in Jesus as our Lord and Savior so I encourage you to go to our website I encourage you to send other people to our website or to our Facebook page uh, and they can uh, register there for Vacation Bible School, or you can call the church office and we can help you do that also. So, Brother Mike, if you'll come. Our song is, you're probably wondering why we sing an invitation song, but with the subject of, the, of Brother Jim's message tonight, we thought this might be something that uh, would be applicable. So. We're going to sing I Surrender All, all three verses, is back. All to Jesus I surrender, all to Him I freely give. I will ever love and trust Him in His presence. Daily I surrender all. I surrender all. 
to Jesus I surrender, make me Savior, holy thine. Let me feel the Holy Spirit, truly know that thou art mine. Thank you, Miss Pat. And I have my phone here uh, following along on Facebook, so if you have any requests, be sure to uh, share those uh, there on Facebook. Uh, as hopefully you've had the time to get your uh, prayer list downloaded or to make sure you got one here in person. Um, again, they're at the front here. Uh, as you go down your prayer list, we want to mention a few and give you some updates uh, on several here. Um, uh, let me just uh, start around here with um, uh, Sa Sandra Wells uh, on the list there uh, on the HPC family side, and we'll just go down from there. Uh, Sandra Wells, is, of course, she had her kidney stone procedure uh, done, and most of that's good. Do you have any update on her? Okay. So she goes back on July the 5th, so we praise the Lord for that. And Leanne's doing better. Okay, Luann's doing better also. Miss Betsy? Is Miss Betsy doing good? Okay, so she's been released from the doctor also. All right, that's great. Uh, also, uh, we had had this request. Michelle Olson was waiting on some medical test results to come back. I've not heard uh, from anyone who may know her situation. Anybody? Okay. Um, we did add, uh, Jim Hess called us earlier this week and asked us to add David back to the prayer list as well as himself. Uh, they have discovered that uh, he has, uh, things were going well with the other cancer he had, that there was a, uh, it was calcifying, but there's another type of cancer uh, that he also has now. And uh, it's a kind that uh, they've got some spots on the lung also that they're gonna have to go and uh, open things up like open heart surgery. So there's a lot that's gonna be going on with that. Jim is having to work and having to travel and not able to be there with David. And so we, he wanted prayer uh, also. Okay. Okay. 
So it's gonna be on Tuesday will be uh, David Hess's surgery. So we wanna remember him. That's gonna be in Greenville, South Carolina and be in prayer for Jim too. Uh, with that all, um, so a lot that's going to be going on there, and it is uh, a major surgery uh, that he'll be having uh, there with that. Uh, any other family, Highland Baptist Church family requests there? Uh, what, do mention George Duncan there, spoke to him, uh, either, I think it was yesterday, uh, that um, he had had uh, another tumor removed sometime back here recently, but he was having to go uh, have a they call it a TB bacteria that they put in to help fight off uh, his, his uh, cancer there. So uh, just keep him in your prayers. Uh, he has to go to Nashville for that, and he'll have several appointments that he'll have to make uh, for that. So keep him uh, in your prayers. Uh, on the nursing home list uh, there, we have Mary Campbell, Peggy Eggleston, Susie Barton, who's at Morning Point, and Miss Birdie. Uh, who's at Brookdale, and from everything I've heard from Miss Birdie, she seems to be enjoying things fairly well. Um, and then on the friends and family side, just to share one that was given to us here uh, on uh, Facebook, uh, that um, one of those that's on our list, Katie Pugh, uh, has been at work a little this week. Uh, she is still hoping for a T-cell procedure this summer. Uh, and then also we have Matthew Ratcliffe, uh, who's continuing to gain, regain strength, eating most of his meals. Uh, discharge uh, home is now planned for end of May. So that's a good prognosis for him, uh, although he's still gonna have a long road uh, there ahead for him. So do remember that with R Matthew Ratcliffe and then also Katie Pugh, uh, who's on the prayer list there. If you'll remember, uh, also you'll see Julie Gunter and Donna Gunter, you can remove those uh, from your prayer list. They are doing well. Uh, and then the bottom one on your list is Oliver uh, Nagy. Okay, I want to make sure I said that right. Oliver Nagy. Uh, and this is Miss Pat's great grandson, right? Great grandson. Um, and uh, so we want to remember him in prayer. He has a, an autoimmune uh, disease, um, and he's only one year old. Uh, they're hoping that everything is acute, that it'll be a, a short term thing, not a long term thing. Uh, that they can take care of, but it is on a scale of one to five with one being the least and five being the worst, it's a three out of five. Uh, so we wanna remember them uh, in prayer. And this is, tell me her name again, cause it went out of my head. Who's mom? Emily. Emily is Emily's uh, son. Uh, so this is Oliver Nagy. So remember uh, Emily and her husband and their family uh, in your prayers. As you look at your prayer list there for any others that are on the friends and family side, any updates we need to give, any additions that we need to add? I don't see any others on the Facebook page. I'd did not notice. Yeah, I don't see him on there. If you remember Brian Tate uh, in your prayers also, uh, I just was noticing that he was not on there. He has his procedure tomorrow, having an ultrasound done, uh, and he's really nervous about that, really upset about that. So I want to keep him in prayer as he goes through that tomorrow. Anyone else?
All right, well, let's go to the Lord in prayer then for these prayer requests as maybe others that are on your heart uh, that we haven't mentioned. Uh, and maybe you have some personal requests that you might have before the Lord, but let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you for the many blessings that you've given to us. And we thank you, Lord, for uh, just watching over us, for providing for us, for caring for us and loving us. Lord, even uh, when we are uh, not obedient to what you've called us to do or, or when, Lord, maybe we uh, have done things that we shouldn't have done that you've commanded us not to do. Father, we know that we have sinned in our hearts and lives. We stand before you, a holy and a righteous God. And when we compare ourselves to you, we realize that we are nothing, Lord. It's easy for us to make ourselves look good when we compare ourselves to others, but not to you. And so, Father, I pray that uh, as we stand before your holiness, Lord, may we come in all humility, acknowledging who we are, all that we are, and, and Lord, that we would come confessing our sin before you. And Lord, I pray that if there is any sin in our hearts, may you bring it out into the light of the truth of your word. We don't want to be out of your will in any way. We don't want to be hindering your will in our hearts and our lives in any way. And so we come before you confessing those sins and asking you to forgive us, to cleanse us, to lead us and guide us uh, each and every day, Lord, uh, to make better choices than we did the day before uh, in serving you and honoring you. And so we just want to ask, Heavenly Father, that you would have your way and your will in our hearts and our lives tonight, Lord. We want to bring these prayer requests to you, and we know that you've told us in your word that if we hold on to sin, if we regard iniquity in our hearts, that you will not hear from heaven. So, Lord, wash us, cleanse us, and hear us. Father, we pray that you would uh, intervene on behalf of each one of these we've mentioned tonight, others who are listed here, maybe other requests that... Uh, or upon our hearts that maybe we didn't mention, maybe personal needs that we didn't share. Father, we just want to uplift all of those things to you, and we ask, Lord, for your will to be done, and ask, Lord, for you to speak truth into our hearts and into our lives, to encourage us, to strengthen us, uh, Father, to be with uh, us as we go through life, to keep remembering to pray for each one of these individuals. We know, Lord, that uh, with many of these, they're not just physical needs. There are so many other needs that are attached to their physical need. Maybe it's an emotional need or spiritual needs or, or some financial need or family need. Whatever it might be, God, uh, in addition to what they're going through physically, we ask not only would you touch them to bring the healing to them, but Lord, use whatever it is they're going through and use your wonder-working power uh, in bringing the healing to them to also minister to them and, and their other needs in their lives, especially if any of these that we're praying for don't know Jesus as their Lord and their Savior. We pray, God, that you will use these things they're going through to bring them to faith in Jesus, uh, to trust in him and to love him and to follow him. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for who you are and for what you're doing in these people's lives. We thank you for the answered prayers for those who have gotten better, who, who you have had your hand upon, and we just praise your name. We give you the glory and the honor for what you've done. We thank you for the doctors and nurses and those caregivers who you've given uh, the wisdom and discernment to be able to care for these individuals. And Lord, we pray that you will bless them in a special way. But we know, God, that you are the ultimate great physician, and so we pray that you have them in 
in your hands. Lord, may you show your power and your glory and your majesty as you bring healing to their lives, as you bring, and bring grace into their hearts and their lives to meet the other needs that they may have, as your grace is sufficient for all of our needs. And Lord, may we testify of your grace and your glory and the gospel of Jesus Christ that can save us for eternity, the greatest miracle of all that could happen for us. So, Lord, we pray that you will continue to have your hand upon them, continue to use us to be a blessing to them in whatever way that we can. Give us, Lord, words of encouragement to speak to those individuals, to share with those individuals, and we pray, God, that you would use it in a powerful way as seeds in their heart to bring them to faith in Christ and to encourage those who have faith in Christ already. So, Father, we pray for our youth who are meeting tonight, too, here in the building. We ask your, your graces upon them. We ask, Lord, for you to give them a hunger and a thirst for you. Transform and change their hearts and their lives. And, Father, I pray that you will use them to impact more of their generation uh, for Christ. And, Father, I pray for Pastor Matt as he's leading them. Give him uh, the words to speak and to share. And as they get ready also to go uh, on youth camp, Lord, we pray that you will watch over them, you'll protect them, you'll bless them uh, as they go there. May it be a life-transforming uh, opportunity for each one of them in their lives to build them in their faith uh, each and every day. Father, we pray for our children who are uh, not with us in Awana during the summer, but uh, with their families. And we just pray, God, that they will continue to grow in their faith with you, continue to grow in their walk with you. And we ask your blessings upon them and their families uh, to protect them, watch over them, uh, be with them throughout the summer with the activities we'll be having, uh, especially with Vacation Bible School that's coming up. Continue to prepare the hearts of the teachers and the workers. Prepare us as a church to reach out to those families and prepare those kids to hear the good news of the gospel that they would come to faith in Christ in Vacation Bible School. And so, Father, we ask your blessings upon our church as we go forward into all that you have for us to do. We want to bring glory and honor to you each and every day, each and every Sunday, each and every service we have, each and every ministry we do. And so we just ask your blessings upon us in, in the days ahead. Continue to bless us tonight as we come to study the book of Jonah uh, here in chapter 3. I pray that this will be uh, a powerful message for us. May you speak your truth into our hearts tonight to encourage us. In Jesus' precious name we pray, amen and amen. Well, take your Bibles, if you will, and turn to Jonah chapter 3. Jonah chapter 3, verse 1 through verse 10. We've got a lot of ground to cover in a short time to get there. And even though it's 10 verses, uh, there's a lot in these 10 verses. So uh, I was reading through some things that I had jotted down before uh, in looking at this passage for Jonah in Jonah chapter 3. And I remembered uh, about some headlines and some subheads of the, of the Denver Post that was dated uh, January the 20th, 1905. It read as follows, entire city pauses for prayer at the high tide of business as the soul rises above sordid thoughts. Remarkable outbursts of gospel sentiment provoked by revival. The evangelist uh, Chapman and his associates, the article went on to say, cause a hush to spread over the populace while the noonday meetings draw congregations unprecedented in numbers. The opening paragraph of the lead article uh, described the situation of the city there in Denver, Colorado. For two hours at midday, all of Denver, they said, was in the newspaper, was held in a spell. 
The marts of trade were deserted between noon and two o'clock this afternoon, and all worldly affairs were forgotten, and the entire city was given over to meditation of higher things. The Spirit of Almighty pervaded every nook. Going to and coming from the great meetings, the thousands of men and women radiated the, the spirit which filled them, and the clear Colorado sunshine was made brighter by the reflected glow of the light of God shining from happy faces. Seldom has such a remarkable sight been witnessed. An entire city in the middle of a busy week bowing before the throne of heaven and asking and receiving the blessing of the king of the universe. That actually happened in our country in 1905 in the city of Denver, Colorado. A different place now, but back then experienced a great revival uh, in that year. And though it wasn't on the same scale as the revival that occurs in Nineveh under Jonah and his preaching, it was every bit as genuine. Because when true revival comes, it impacts everything and everyone. You know, sometimes when we think of a revival, we think of it just affecting the church. We're going to have a revival meeting. But you think about what happened in the revival there in Denver. It didn't just affect the, the church. It affected the whole city. The businesses shut down for two hours uh, to focus on the Lord and to pray to the Lord. You know, when true revival comes, it, it does that. Uh, and I've never witnessed that kind of revival myself, but uh, we may have been in church meeting events that we called revival meetings, but never in that kind of true revival. Revival doesn't come because we just schedule a week for it, or, or revival comes when certain things happen in the hearts of the people. When Jonah goes to Nineveh, a real revival takes place. One of the greatest lessons that we'll ever learn from the book of Jonah, and even throughout all of the Bible, uh, is, is that disobedience brings burdens, and obedience brings blessings. That's something you can count on when you're looking here at Jonah. Disobedience brings burdens, obedience brings blessing. All throughout this book, Jonah has been running. In chapter 1, he was running from God. In chapter 2, which we looked at last time when he's in the belly of the fish, he's running to God. Now we're going to see here in chapter 3 that he's running with God. In fact, what you're going to see in chapter 3 is he's where he should have been all along. He has simply come back to where he belongs. So think of it in this way. If chapter 3 had been chapter 1, this, and this would have been the only chapter in the book, as you're going to see, it still would have been worthy of study because it's one of the most amazing, incredible stories that you'll read anywhere uh, in any book because it records the greatest single uh, one-day revival in the history of the world. If you've ever run from God or you're currently running from God, then you're really going to love this story because if you're here tonight watching online, you're here in person and you think that life has passed you by, uh, you, you've wasted your life and you have nothing to show for it and you think, oh, it's just too late in, in the game for me and you think that, that God has passed you by and that all that's left is for you to die, one verse ought to change your mind. And it's the very first verse of this chapter that teaches us that it's never too late to obey. 
It's never too late to get in on God's best for you. So I want to share with you here, uh, with all of us, how we've gotten away from God and how to get back to where we belong and how obedience always brings God's best and God's blessings and, and how it brings revival. And this is the way it works. First of all, God calls, I obey. That's the way it's supposed to work. That didn't work that way for Jonah because he decided, I'm going to do what I want to do. I'm not going to do what God wants me to do. He did not obey. And we saw all the trouble that he got himself into as a result of that. But look at verse 1, if, if you will, because it's that verse that ought to change your heart and your mind. Notice what it says. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, did you catch it? When you understand what took place in the first two chapters, then you'll see why this verse is one of the most encouraging verses in all of the Bible. When you look at it, what makes that verse so great? The word second. The word second. The word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time. So if you go back to chapter 1, verse 1, you find there the first time. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying. Now we come to verse 1 of chapter 3, and you see the second time. Normally, the word second is not a very good word. Nobody wants to come in second. You want to come in first when you're running a race. Nobody wants to be second. Nobody likes to be told, wait a second. Because what does that mean? Are you going to wait a second? No, it's going to be longer than a second. <laughs> you know that when they say that. But it's going to be longer than a second. Nobody, uh, no one wants to, to train for years, uh, for four years, go to the Olympics and come in second. But here, the word second is a very sweet word. It's a very special word. Because here's the message in that word. When you're ready to quit running from God, God has a second chance waiting on you. This is Jonah's second chance. Now, God didn't have to. Jonah didn't deserve it. We've already talked about that in the last two messages. None of us deserve a second chance. But God gave Jonah a second chance. In every one of us, Jonah is in every one of us, because every one of us in this room and watching online uh, have, uh, are, are living a second chance life. You know, we've, we talked about that before where, where people think that everybody deserves a second chance and that that really isn't true. Nobody deserves a second chance. But if you think about it, you only deserve a first chance, a first chance of justice. A, a second chance is grace. Uh, there, there isn't one person, person who, who is here tonight that hasn't at some point in our life denied God, debated with God, or disobeyed God, and maybe even flat said no to God. That's why we're, you know why we're sitting here today? Because when we said no to God, he could have took us out just like that if he wanted to. We're sitting here today because God is a God of a second chance. Everybody in this room is a second chance person. And by the way, a third chance and a fourth chance and a fifth chance. Because in fact, in every day of our lives, it, it, it is, God is reminding us, I am giving you another chance, another opportunity. So the first time God's word came to Jonah, it didn't work out so well. 
So he repeats himself in verse 2. God says the same message that he said back in chapter 1, verse 2. Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it the message that I tell you. Same word, same call, same command, same instruction, but this time a different reaction. Look at verse 3. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh. This time he didn't run off to the, to the shipyard to get on a ship to go to Tarshish. He goes to Nineveh. He goes to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, three days journey in breadth. So there's one minor word change in chapter 3 verse 3 from chapter 1 verse 3. Uh, but it all makes all the difference in the world. And that first word of, of chapter 1, verse 3, is this one word, but. You see that in chapter 1, verse 3? But, Jonah. Now we see in chapter 3, verse 3, so, Jonah. A big difference there. That little word, but, in that kind of case will get you in more trouble with God and more trouble with others and more trouble with life than any other word that you could ever utter. God says to us, don't marry that person. They're not a believer. But we say, but I, I love them. And a disastrous marriage is ahead. God says, don't go to that party. You don't belong there. You say, but I I'm just going there to have a good time. And a drunk driver is then on the road. God says, don't go there alone. And you say, but I can control myself. And an unintended pregnancy happens. God says, let me come into your life and forgive you and change you. And what do we so often have said? But I've got plenty of time, God. And another person winds up in eternity without God. What was Jonah running from? Nineveh. Where did God tell Jonah to go? Nineveh. It was Nineveh or bust. God didn't change and say, well, I don't, you don't have to go to Nineveh. You can go to this city over here. No, God comes back and says, you still got to go to Nineveh. You got to go to Nineveh. It's Nineveh or a bust. Almost on a daily basis, you're going to face a Nineveh in your life. You'll read something in the Bible that you don't like, or you'll hear something from a preacher that you don't like, and God will tell you something in your heart that you don't like, and you'll resist, and you'll say no. You'll say, you'll say maybe but. And when that happens... Whatever that is that you said no or that you said but, that's your Nineveh. Before you respond in the negative, keep this in mind that we said a while ago, disobedience brings burdens and obedience brings blessings. Let me warn you of something else. Obedience isn't always easy. God told Jonah to go to Nineveh. Who was Nineveh? I mean, it's not like we're going to Orlando. We're going to Disney World. You know, it's, it's not a, a great place that we're going to have a great time when we go over to Nineveh. Uh, Nineveh was the arch enemy of Israel. Nineveh was the capital of Assyria, which was a nation that was bent on destroying Israel. There wasn't a more wicked place in the world than Nineveh at that time. 
They showed no mercy to their enemies. They would take their victims and impale live victims on sharp poles and, and leave them to roast to death in the sun. They would behead people by the thousands and stack up the skulls up in piles by the city gates. They were even known to skin people alive. But God said to Jonah, go to Nineveh. Jonah did, this time, exactly what God told him to do. Notice verse 4. Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's journey, and he called out, yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. Now think about that. Was that easy for him to do? To walk around this city uh, saying, the end is near, the end is near. You're going to die if you don't repent. The city was so large, it took him three days to walk around the entire city to give God's message. Jonah didn't minimize it. Jonah didn't sugarcoat it. Uh, he just told it. He didn't hire some PR firm to, to help him package the message. Uh, I mean, think about that. How would you like that kind of assignment of walking around a city that hated you to begin with, and the only message you had to share with them was, hey, guys, you're going to be dead in 40 days and spend an eternity in hell. Just thought I'd tell you. Have a good day. Let's be honest, from a human perspective, the whole thing here looked absolutely ridiculous. How could this one man walking around the city uh, of his enemies who hated him, how could this one man claiming to be God's prophet in this hostile city where people would line up for the privilege of hanging you from the highest tree, uh, confront thousands of people with a message of God's judgment? Keep one thing in mind, the result wasn't Jonah's problem. His command from God was, go tell them. Whatever they did, they did. Jonah wouldn't be held accountable for that. He was being held accountable to go to Nineveh and to tell the people the message. And so that's what we need to understand is that God wants us uh, to, lead, to, to obey him when he calls and leave the results of that obedience to him. You know, you can do that when you, when you simply remember disobedience brings burden and obedience brings blessing. There was a man by the name of Sir Leonard Wood who was once introduced to the king of France. They hit it off so well that the king invited him to come to his palace uh, for dinner uh, at a later date. Well, when the day finally arrived, Sir Leonard Wood showed up at the palace, and when he was introduced to the king, here's what the king said. The king said, what a surprise. He said, I didn't expect to see you. How is it that you're here today? He said, did you not invite me to dine with you today? And the king said, yes, I sent you an invitation, but you didn't answer it. Sir Leonard Wood replied, he said, your majesty, a king's invitation doesn't need to be answered. It must simply be obeyed. The first lesson to learn about getting back to where we belong if we're not where we need to be is simply this. When God calls, you obey. Secondly, when you obey, when I obey, God moves. When I obey, God moves. So now the story is about to get real good. Notice verse 5 uh, down through verse 9. So the people of Nineveh, they believed God. They called for a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least of them. 
The word reached the king of Nineveh, and he rose from his throne, removed his robe, and covered himself with sackcloth and sat in ashes. And he issued a proclamation and published through Nineveh, by the decree of the king and his nobles, let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything, let them not feed or drink water, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth, and let them call out mightily to God. Let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. Who knows? God may turn and relent and turn from his fierce anger so that we may not perish. Wow. Let me say it again. If this had been the only chapter, it definitely ought to have been included in the Bible. This is one of the greatest stories of conversion in all the history. Scholars estimate that because of the size of Nineveh, it could have been upwards of 600,000 people who lived in that city. Chapter 4 tells us that there were 120,000 children. That means that in that day, 480,000 people, and not just any people, but pagan people, came to faith in God. Because one man went around a city in Nineveh telling people the message God gave him to share. Because of the ministry of this one man. And this is where so many people miss the message of Jonah and the ministry and even the miracle of Jonah. The most fascinating chapter in the book of Jonah isn't chapter 2 when he's in that belly of the fish. It's really chapter 3. The greatest miracle in the book doesn't happen in chapter 2. It takes place in chapter 3. Think about that many people at once coming to faith in God. The most amazing sentence in the book of Jonah isn't Jonah 1.17 where it says the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. The most amazing sentence in the book of Jonah is found in chapter 3 and verse 5. And the people of Nineveh believed God. These weren't children of Israel. These weren't people of God who had strayed away from God. These were ungodly people. Talk about a stunning development. I mean, talk about a shocking event. Jonah was stunned when this happened. But here's what we don't read in the text, but yet we know was happening historically. You see, there were some things that Jonah didn't know. When you go back in history and you come back to this time in history when Jonah was preaching to Nineveh here, one of the things that happened was a solar eclipse had just taken place not long before Jonah went into the city, which was considered to them a bad sign that terrible things were about to happen. Furthermore, the city had just gotten word from three major tribes north of them that they had joined forces and they were coming towards the city and they were about to attack them. He also didn't know that within five years of his coming, two deadly plagues had already hit that city and killed thousands of people five years before. He didn't know what God had been doing behind the scenes to prepare that city for his message. All of those things had been happening, and now Jonah comes into the city and says, hey guys, here's what's going to happen. He shares with them that message, and he says, yet 40 days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. 
God had been working behind the scenes where Jonah didn't even realize what was going on. When God tells you to do something, he simply wants you to get in on what he's already doing. And everything that God asks you to do, he is your partner. And in a real sense, you never do anything for God, you do it with God. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 9 says, For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. When God asks you to do something for him, it is simply so he can do something through you. And every time you obey God, when you obey him, he is moving and has been moving to get, you, to get everything ready for the moment you begin to move. Most of the time, uh, you'll see it. Some of the time, you won't. But regardless of whether you do or you don't, God moves when you obey. This leads us to our third point from the passage tonight. When God moves, blessings come. When God moves, blessings come. Look at verse 10. When God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil way. God relented of the disaster that he had said he would do to them, and he did not do it. Now, the first four verses, in the first four verses, you see Jonah responding to God. In the next five verses, you see Nineveh responding to God. But now in this last verse, in verse 10, we see God responding to Nineveh. And everybody's come back to where they belong. Think about that. Jonah's come back to the place of obedience. Nineveh has come back to the place of repentance. And that enabled God to come to the place where he wants to always be, and that is the place of forgiveness. Because Jonah obeyed God, he had the privilege of seeing God do an unbelievable spiritual miracle in the most unlikely of cities, in the most unlikely and unwilling of hearts, and in the most ungodly of people. God brings a revival. In one day, close to 480,000 people, the entire city comes to faith in God. At no other time, at no other time do you ever find in history or in the Bible where every single person that could in any given place comes to know God. There are two words that will always change your life for the better. There are two words that will always bring the blessing of God on you and on the people around you. There's two words that can make your marriage sweeter, can make you happier, can, can make your work more enjoyable, your life more productive, and, and will take you places you never thought that you would go and let you observe things you never thought you would see. And those two words are this, yes, Lord. When you say yes, Lord, that changes everything. Because Jonah said yes, to God. He became the preacher responsible for more people coming to God in a single day than ever before. Because the people of, God, of Nineveh said yes to God. They saw God in an instant turn the hot fires of judgment into the cool waters of mercy. Obedience 
always sets off a chain reaction that results in blessing, uh, the blessings of God. Somebody put it this way, to know God is to love God, and to love God is to trust God, and to trust God is to obey God, and to obey God is to be blessed by God. God has a perfect plan for all of his children, but we can claim these blessings only by faith and only by obedience. All you have to do is look through the Old Testament and you'll see example of this over and over and over again. Well, you remember when the Israelites in the Old Testament had come to Kadesh Barnea uh, on the border there of Canaan, the promised land? The people of God, they foolishly forfeited their opportunity to enter into the promised land and claim their inheritance. And that tragic failure uh, has made the name Kadesh a, a synonym for defeat and, and lost opportunity. Israel's downfall at, at Kadesh Barnea is a reminder of us today uh, of a dangerous thing to to mess around with the will of God. You can end up spending the rest of your life like they did, wandering around just waiting to die, or like Jonah did, out on a ship about to drown or in the belly of a fish, not knowing if you're going to live or die. You know, like the people of Israel, many believers today walk by sight and not by faith, and so they fail to enjoy the good things that God has for them. In the book of Numbers is the wilderness book of the Old Testament. It describes the failures of the nation at Kadesh Barnea and their wanderings in the wilderness. Somebody has described Israel's wilderness wanderings as the longest funeral march in history. Only Caleb and Joshua, you remember that? They're the only two out of that whole group that was there that day. And they said, we need to go forward. We need to go in to the promised land. And everybody else said no. And only Caleb and Joshua of the older generation were permitted to enter Canaan because they had trusted God and opposed the decision of the nation to turn back at Kadesh Barnea. Even Moses, you remember, was forbidden to go because of his sin when he smote the rock instead of speaking to it instead of obeying God. When you disobey God, it brings burden. Numbers and Jonah have an important spiritual lesson for us today. God honors our faith and our obedience and he punishes unbelief. And at the root of all of Israel's sins in the wilderness was unbelief. They didn't trust God's word. You know, many Christians today are, are in between in, in their spiritual lives. Uh, they've been delivered from Egypt by the blood of the Lamb, but they haven't yet entered into their inheritance in Christ. All too often, too many of us as believers have come to the place of decision to our own Kadesh Barnea, and we fail to enter into the inheritance by faith. Instead of being conquerors, we become wanderers. Yes, they were saved, but they failed to fulfill God's purpose for their lives. We won't trust God to overcome the giants, to knock down the walls, to give them the inheritance that he's promised. They won't cross Jordan, uh, which illustrates uh, death to self and, and stepping out by faith to claim what God wants for them to do. You know, it's a sad thing when as Christians and as churches we fail to step out by faith and as a result start to fall apart spiritually and numerically and materially. May God help us to trust him and his word. To the unbelieving world, it's unreasonable for anybody to trust in a God they've never seen or never heard. But we have all the evidence that we need to convince us that God is dependable, that God has the power to accomplish what he says. 
I mean, think about this awesome thing that happens with Jonah. He's thinking, I'm not going to these guys. They hate us. They kill us. Uh, they, they've despised us for years. They've hurt us. They've hurt uh, people of Israel. I'm not going to those people. And that's why he ran. And when he disobeyed, he received burden. When he got on that boat to Tarshish, he was saying, I'd rather die in Tarshish than live in Nineveh. See, when a child of God is in the will of God, there is no place for complaining, even if the circumstances are difficult. The will of God will never lead us to where the grace of God can't provide for us and where the power of God cannot protect us. If our prayer, if our daily prayer is your will be done, and if we walk in obedience to God's will, God is going to show us and God is going to do his work in our hearts and our lives no matter what it is that we face. You know, many Christians are still wandering in the wilderness of defeat and unbelief. You know, notice uh, when, when, when the Israelites, when, remember when they came to the River Jordan after wandering in the wilderness? And, and after having introduced the priests uh, and instructed the priests, uh, Joshua did, uh, bearing the ark. Joshua shared uh, the words of the Lord with the people, and he didn't magnify himself. He magnified the Lord and his gracious blessings to the nation. He focused the eyes of God's people on the Lord and his greatness. And, and much of what Joshua said in that speech was recalled from Moses' last speech to him, as well as the Lord's words uh, for him to share with the people. And Joshua simply reminded them of the promises of God. And, and he explained to the people that God would open the river as soon as the priests bearing the ark put their feet into the water. Remember that? As soon as they put their feet in the water. Now, if you remember the story, during most of the year, the Jordan River was about 100 feet wide. But at the spring flood season, the, the river overflowed its banks and became a mile wide. Uh, as soon as the priests, though, bearing the ark, put their feet in that river, the water stopped flowing. When did the water stop flowing? When they obeyed. When they obeyed. What happened with Jonah? When he obeyed, he got to see an awesome, great miracle he never would have seen if he had not obeyed. What about those people of Nineveh? They would have never experienced the greatest blessing that they ever experienced. Wow. What an awesome miracle that we see that happened. Here's the thing I want to warn you about and share with you. If those priests had never taken that step into the water, if the people of God had not obeyed him when they marched around the city of Jericho, if Jonah had not repented and went to Nineveh when God gave him a second chance, if you think about it in the New Testament with the disciples, you remember when they were uh, there in, in uh, they were there mending their nets and they'd been fishing all night and Jesus said, I want you to go back out and, and throw your nets back out. If they had not obeyed, uh, when, when, and, and had held on to those nets that they were mending, they would have never, none of those groups would have never experienced the miracles that they experienced. Their lives would have never changed, and they would have always remained 
the same. Think about this. All the misery that Jonah had gone through was because he said no to God when he should have said yes. All of the tragedy that came to to Nineveh had come because Nineveh had stubbornly said no to God when they should have said yes. I believe one day we are going to stand before God one day. And God is going to show every one of us all the blessings that we could have had. All the wonderful things we could have seen. All the lives we could have touched if we had just obeyed him. If you'd just spoken that word to your neighbor. If you'd just given to that special offering. If you'd just gone on that mission trip or been a part of that mission project, how different things would have been. God is speaking to some of us even now. To obey God, we need to hear the word of God. We need to trust the Son of God. We need to experience the grace of God. We need to follow the will of God and surrender to the call of God. We need to follow Jesus, not because he needs us, but because we need him. God is God. And when God calls, you obey. And when you obey, not a moment before, when you obey, God moves. And when God moves, blessings come because obedience always brings a blessing. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, what a lesson from Jonah and what an awesome miracle of so many hundreds of thousands of people who believed in God. These were pagan people, Lord. They didn't have to get their life cleaned up. They just, they had seen all the events that had been leading up to this and Jonah comes and brings the message and and gives them the answer for what they need to do. We need to believe in this God that Jonah has told us about. He's the hope. He's the answer. So, Father, I pray tonight that in our hearts, if we are here or we're watching online and we have never trusted by faith in Jesus as our Lord and our Savior, I pray we have heard the call tonight and that we would obey and accept that call and step out to follow you as Lord and Savior. Father, just saying, dear God, I know that I'm a sinner and I need to be saved. I believe Jesus died on the cross for my sins. I believe he was buried in the tomb, that he arose on the third day. Jesus, come into my heart and my life and save me and help me to live for you all the days of my life. Father, if someone's prayed something like that in their hearts and they've meant that with all sincerity, Lord, I pray they will step out to publicly profess that faith in Christ and then to follow through with believers' baptism and then to get plugged into a local body of believers here if possible uh, that we could help them to walk uh, and, and grow in their walk with you. Father, there are many of us who are here as believers, and we're kind of like Jonah. There's been some times we've said, no, no, I'm not going to talk to my neighbor. No, I'm not going to share with that person. No, I'm not going to do this thing. And yet we missed out on so many blessings because of that. 
So, Father, I pray that you would stir our hearts. Whatever it is you are laying before each one of us, Lord, I pray that we will step by faith and trust you. You've told us what to do. You've commanded us in your word. May we just simply do the things you've already told us to do. And that when we do, Lord, may you bless us with a blessing we could not contain from heaven. There'd be no other way to explain what had happened. Lord, there was no other way to explain what happened that day for Jonah. It was a work of the Holy Spirit. And so, Father, I pray that's what you'll do in our lives, a work of the Holy Spirit. And may we follow you and experience the blessings rather than being disobedient and experience the burdens. Bless us in the days ahead. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, just want to say thank you so much for being with us uh, tonight. We'll be back again this Sunday morning, 9.15 for Sunday school, 10.30 for worship. We'll be streaming uh, online, so join us there if you can. Uh, Brother Nathan Dorrell is going to be filling in for me Sunday morning. Uh, Brother Mark Puckett will be here next Wednesday night uh, to share with you, too. We won't have services on Sunday night, so just a reminder for that. But just want to, I won't be here, so just wish everyone a happy Memorial Day uh, for that, too. But uh, you have a blessed week. You stay safe. And we'll see you when we get back, but we'll see you uh, online this coming Sunday morning. You have a blessed week.